coming up next in The Ziggler Show. Even with the best intent, we often find ourselves telling and selling to influence others. Whether it's to get someone interested in our product or service, make a sale, or trying to express our opinion and perspective on social media, or striving to get employees, coworkers, or even our kids to do something. We convince and convince and convince and get frustrated with often our lack of influence. So in this episode, I play a clip from Zig Ziglar where he schools us on giving up the convincing and instead persuading. And how do you best persuade? It's by asking questions that help the listener lead themselves to the desired conclusion. This gives them ownership. And so I asked our audience, what is a primary question you can ask people that lets them and you know if they are a relevant candidate for your product or service? So Tom Ziegler and I talk through the comments to further just unveil the power of asking relevant questions to serve both you and whoever you're looking to persuade. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person, then do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life, and we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad, and we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com. Connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. Now, one point which many people seem to miss is the fact that every professional, whether they are accountants or tax consultants or doctors or lawyers, ask an awful lot of questions. It's called the Socratic method of leading people to decisions. One of the most frustrating things that we as salespeople ever encounter is when we have gotten so close to a sale and we know we should have made the sale. We have convinced them that it's fairly priced. We've convinced them of its quality. We've convinced them it can perform. We have convinced them of everything. We've convinced them, but we still leave without a sale. There's a difference between convincing and persuading. Many years ago, Aristotle taught at the University of Pisa that if you were to take two different weights made of the same material, that they would fall at a different rate of speed. Now, obviously, this was wrong, but he was Aristotle the Great, and so that's what they taught. Then years later, a young whippersnapper named Galileo came along, and he said, hey, that's not right. If you drop those two different weights, they'll fall at exactly the same speed if they're made of the same material. Well, the other students and professors challenged Galileo to prove his contention. Well, Galileo went to the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. He dropped the two different weights made of the same material, and they obviously fell at exactly the same rate of speed. Now, he had proved beyond any reasonable doubt that he was right and that Aristotle was wrong. Now, he had convinced them that he was right, but he had not persuaded them. And so guess what they kept doing at the University of Pisa? That's right. They kept teaching the same thing that Aristotle had taught. 
Now the question is, how do you persuade people? And the answer is, you don't persuade them by telling, you persuade them by asking. Tom, I want to play with what you and I are just sitting here chatting about. So I asked the question, of course, what is a primary question you ask people that lets them and you know if they are a relevant candidate for your product or service? And it would have been interesting, and that's what you and I were just talking about, to ask it the opposite way. What's a question that helps you know the person is not for you? And you know, I think we could easily go into you know the morals and ethics of certain businesses. I mean, I get I've, I've been asked for advertising for things that were in a uh, gosh, how would I put it? You know, of a sexual nature or something like that. And I'm not going to do that um, on as an advertiser. So we could do that, but I'm really looking for something not quite that blatant even. And as I thought about my own coaching that I'm just now going to start doing again, and I'll, I'll be talking about that on the show, but I'm primarily looking for people who are in the business of influencing others, you know, building an audience. So if somebody comes and says, yeah, Kevin, man, I want to do some, you know, some coaching with you. I've got this new invention it's this, you know, widget. I'm getting it manufactured in China, whatever, and I'm going to go out and do something with it. Will you help me? I, I mean, I would have some qualifying questions if they're really looking for building an audience to sell it to, to look at how to make, how to brand it, how to make it unique. I can help in that aspect, but man, that person needs help on the manufacturing side and all the things that go along with that. That is not my forte. So unless it's a specific aspect of business that they want help and that does fit in my wheelhouse, I'm going to say, man, you're probably going to do better with somebody. And I actually know somebody who I would refer them to who's a whiz at manufacturing and inventions and even the, even the branding of a specific product as opposed to the individual. I'm better on the individual side. So that would have been a neat way to ask it. So yeah, as we were talking, Tom, I'll ask you that too. Are there in your you know executive coaching, I mean, are there some specific places where kind of like what I said, doesn't mean you won't, but eh, it may not be in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I have a, I have a series of questions uh, that I like to ask people to kind of get clarity on what it is that they're looking for. Because if what they're looking for in my greatest service or what I really provide, is it the same thing that it's not good for me or them? Yes. Right. I mean, that's, that's just the reality. And I started a big picture. I'll ask somebody, hey, what, is, what does success mean to you? What does significance mean to you? What does legacy mean? And the reason I'm asking these questions is, is I really like to coach people. When I work with people uh, one-on-one, it's about legacy. It's usually people who have achieved a great deal of success. Uh, They might be at a turning point in their life or trying to figure out uh, what they're going to do next. And they're also uh, focused generationally. They're, They're all of a sudden thinking, wait a second, I built something that's pretty cool, but how does, how do I transfer this to my family, my company? How do I, how do I take my vision and, and just not leave an inheritance. Mark Batterson said, an inheritance is what you leave to someone. A legacy is what you leave in someone. Oh, that's good. 
right? Yeah. And so I'll say, well, what does it mean to you? And if they're very legacy focused, sometimes it'll come to the realization of, wait a second, I haven't been living out the example. And example is the greatest teacher. Example is what my family is going to respond to the most. And so the coaching might be more than just how to leave a legacy. It might be how to create a legacy by living in a different way now intentionally. But if they're not really legacy focused, if they're, gosh, you know, I'm struggling in my business and all my problems would go away if we could just fix the revenue. Um, On the other side of the coin is, hey, I really want to leave a legacy and I thought I had everything set and now we're struggling. And so really I need a plan on how to get my, my, my business humming again so that it's ready for the legacy. Then I'll step into that, right? Because their motivator is in the sweet spot of what I want to do. Yeah. Right. So to me, it's about replication. Yeah. Um, if, if they just are, they're at the stage of their life where they're, where they're just focused on their own personal success and what they can do. That's fantastic. I, I can introduce them to a lot of people who were probably a better fit than me. Yeah. If they're in a stage of life of where significance and legacy are the driver and they might need some personal stuff, uh, work on, but really they're doing it for, uh, uh, a legacy reason. Then that's, that's what I mean. So I start off by saying, What's your goal? What's your desire in a perfect world? What would it look like? What's driving you? What's your focus? What keeps you up at night? What's holding you back? What are the things that uh, if you could wish away, they'd just go away? And all those things are the clues that say, hey, I would help, you know, if I'm a fit. Well, and as your dad said in the clip, those are also the things that as they answer, they are going to persuade themselves into the sale or not, uh, you know, authentically, which is. Which is the point. Well, so we just, we started off talking about coaching and we'll actually get back into that because we had some people post uh, who are in that, in that realm as well. Um, but let's hit a couple of them. Here's Jeff Jones. He always gives good responses. Jeff, as I, I think, I think at the last show I talked about him, he was the drummer for Big Daddy Weave and has a great story and now is just knocking out of the park in real estate. So he said, uh, if you were to sell your home, talking about real estate, in the next few years, do you have a real estate agent you would feel obligated to work with? If they answer yes to that, I have almost no chance and I just move on from there. Uh, so it was interesting. Chris Nordyke responded. He says, Jeff, man, that's a fantastic qualifying question. I wish more realtors ask it. To which Jeff replied, the truth is if they already know someone or have a family member, etc., there's likely no chance in the world they would work with me. Even if the other realtor is terrible at their job, most folks are loyal to someone they're already connected with. It's a great perspective for real estate. Uh, because that would be the case with me. If somebody asked really, no matter what I have, one of my closest friends, uh, that I meet with every single week, I've known him for a decade and he is a realtor. He's actually a really good realtor also, 
But even if it was mediocre, I would, I would go with him because he's a friend. And that is, you know, being a, a realtor, such a relational business. And a lot of people have folks that are loyal to. So it's great that Jeff's going to be up front instead of going, man, I'm, I got to get in there and really sell myself in case they do have somebody they're connected with. He knows by trial and error that if they do, he's probably just wasting his time and bothering them. So what a great ethical selling model. I, I, I know there's a ton of realtors listening to us. I think that's killer counsel. Absolutely. The, 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 you know, the <clears throat> trust is the, is the byproduct of integrity. And so when you have your core values, your core virtues all lined out and you live by that. So now you're living with integrity. And when you build relationships on that foundation, you can't help but build trust yeah. in that process. Uh, in the book, and we've talked about this many times, but in the book, Secrets of Closing the Sale, uh, Dad said there were five reasons people don't buy. No need, no want, no hurry, no money, and no trust. And no trust was the biggest reason of all. Yeah. Right? And so Seth Godin, uh, one of his, uh, kind of the way he operates is his goal is to scale trust in every relationship. Yeah. When we scale, when we have trust, then all we, the hard part's done. We just got to find the right solution for whatever that person's need is. Now, at the same time that we're building and scaling trust, we got to prove ourselves as dependable, professional, skilled, knowledgeable on top of it, right? We, we've got to do all those things constantly as well. So that's a high standard to set. Well, yeah, obviously that's with any of these, that's going to be paramount, but it's, you know, what are the ways that you do build trust? I, I gotta admit, I love that with podcasting, you get to have this ongoing conversation and people get to know you and they trust you. I mean, the podcasting is such a trust business. People are clambering to find people that they trust. And, uh, uh, because it's so hard to wade through the information overload we have these days and the decision fatigue. So it is a great platform to gain people's trust. If you're a trustworthy type of person, well, here's Susie Bradley. I know Susie uh, pretty well. She said here, her question this is a really good snapshot here. Her question is, do you have chaos you would like to calm in your life? Okay. Well, that's pretty general. So I asked, what kind of chaos, Susie? She says, well, in the area of their lives, fitness, faith, family, finance, uh, field, friends, and or fun. But I came back and I said, okay, so you're talking though mentally? Now, again, I, I know her, so I, I know where to fish here. And she says, yes, living inside their blockers of life, their mental blockers, instead of the accelerators uh, to success. But let's go back to the beginning. You know, do you have chaos you would like to calm in your life. And the reason that I wanted her to get more specific is I could say, yeah, man, my garage is a mess. Irritates me. Every time I come home, I want to come in and the kids have pulled a bike in there because they can't get it over to the side because we got boxes from when we moved that we never, I want somebody to organize that thing, get rid of the chaos. That's not what Susie's talking about. And so if you're looking at this finite amount of time you have to grab somebody's attention for your business and see if you're a right fit. Can you get more specific? So do you have chaos you'd like to calm in your life? That was her question. And I would say, do you have, even the, even just putting in there, do you have mental chaos you would like to calm in your life? That's going to be 
a lot more helpful. What do you think, Tom? I do think the more specific that we can get, the better. Uh, and I'll just give a little bit of an example of our funnel and how we do things here. Uh, if somebody reaches out to us and says, hey, I'm interested in this, that means that they are reaching out to us based on some sort of information they already have, right? And so the first, the first question that we usually ask is, hey, can you tell me more? What, what caused you to reach out today? And we will put it in this context of today. What caused you to reach out today? What is it that's going on in your life today? And so that adds a little bit more specificity to the chaos that, that she was talking about. I, you know, I, or is there chaos in your life you want to get rid of? <laughs> so I would encourage, hey, if they reached out to you and said, hey, I heard you're pretty good at what you do. Somebody referred you or I saw your website or I got an email or I heard you on a podcast or <laughs> a friend of mine said that they had talked to you and you helped them out. Instead of uh, I would I would lead with that question of, well, what motivated you to reach out to me? What's going on right now? Because that'll go straight to the issue. And here's the thing, and, and this is basic selling 101, is we only give benefits that are relevant to their specific need. So if we assume that their chaos is because they don't understand time management, and we say, hey, you know, I'm, a lot of people say I'm a time management expert. <laughs> Yeah, they're immediately like, well, that's all you do. I wasn't reaching out about that kind of chaos. I've, I've got a disaster at home with my kids and my relationship with them. Yeah. Right. So we, we don't go into the feature function and benefit piece of what we do until we understand what their need is. So that's why leading with questions is always great because all the question is doing is trying to uncover what their real need is. Well, um, let me find our next one here because we're going to keep coming back into that finding the need. So Terry Johnson also gives us a lot of great questions. He's in the life insurance business. So he starts off, this is interesting. I got an interesting story here, Tom. He says, do you have any debt? If so, would you want that debt transferred to your spouse? It's a great question. It's pretty convicting. <laughs> and then is your ability to earn an income important to you and your family? And is your family reliant on your income? Great questions. He says, our game is all, you know, tough, usually riddled uh, with guilt, guilt riddled questions. And most people would rather avoid them, but it's also a reality. I mean, that is, that is great. Okay. Here's what, here's an interesting thing to me though. So last week I'm in Leadville, Colorado, having a personal getaway. I did writing and I did riding, mountain bike riding as well, and just had some solitude time, just a great time. Um, I deviated from my solitude one day because I have had, we haven't even published it yet, but I had Monty Moran, uh, did a show with him. He's the former CEO of Chipotle, the guy that took him from eight stores to, you know, where they are today. I think till 2018 or so. And 
he, uh, we just kind of got to talking. He lives in Boulder and he says, man, I'm going to fly up and fly up and see you. So he, you know, 15 minute flight in his little speedy plane and he flies up and we had a, just a marathon breakfast, about three and a half hour breakfast. And somewhere along the line, I cannot remember, I can't remember what even got us into talk. Oh no, no. I was talking about some ideas that I have in the health, healthcare industry, health insurance and whatnot. And we got to talking about that. He's talking about how much he spends on health insurance. I said, Monty, why do you have health insurance? Go, go look up Monty Moran net worth. It's like 360 million bucks. I go, why are you paying 2,500 bucks for health insurance? What's going to happen to you that you can't just pay for? He says, huh, heck, I don't really know. <laughs> and uh, I said, safe thing, you get life insurance? Yeah. Why? What, what, do you, what can you not cover? You know, to, those, to Terry's questions, well, Monty would be, no, no, don't have any debt. So nothing's going to be transferred to your spouse? No. Do you have to earn an income? No. I, you, know, you know people like that, Tom, who at this point are self-insured to that standpoint. It's interesting that we uh, tend to do those things even when it's not necessary. Uh, but he would have been, Monty would be a no. He is not a candidate for Terry Johnson's you know, life insurance. Now, most people, of course, are, but there is a point. I mean, I want to be at a point to where I don't, why would I need health insurance or life insurance? I mean, that, that's kind of a financial uh, goal for me because I, I'd rather be out of those systems and be self-insured. And, uh, but so the, again, telling questions, but do you have any debt? Those are convicting questions. Yeah. He's going to play around with some guilt, but man, those are hard hitting. That's going to show him if the person is relevant. It's really going to showcase to the person that, man, I need to be thinking about this. I have life insurance for those reasons. Yeah. I am not at the place where if I, if I'm, uh, gone, my family is set for life. I want to be there as soon as possible, but, uh, I am a candidate. How about you, Tom? I'm definitely a candidate. <laughs> you are listening to The Ziggler Show. And next, Tom talks about our motivation as humans uh, being stronger to avoid pain than pursue a desire. It's just a powerful reality for us all to understand and be consistently aware of in business as we strive to influence people. You know... The truth is, is that human nature is we are more motivated to avoid pain yes. than, we, than we are to seek pleasure. And of yes. course, um, in, in life insurance and health insurance, the, the reality here is that people, they put it off. They, they, they have this false sense of immortality that, oh, that happens to everybody else but me. And so somebody, uh, and I've told this story, gosh, I was in my mid-20s and dad was speaking in Atlanta and we got done and neither one of us had eaten dinner. And we ended up at a Denny's at 11 o'clock at night and we sit down and, and this waitress, probably close to 70 years old at 11 o'clock at night on Friday night, asked us for our drink order and she walked off. Dad looked at me and said, gosh, what a shame an insurance man didn't do his job. And this, you know, this is 30 years ago. And I'm like, Dad, what do you mean? And he said, well, son, did you notice our waitress? I said, yeah. He said, how old do you think she is? And I said, close to 70. He said, do you think she likes working here at 11 o'clock on Friday night? Or do you think she has to work here? And I said, well, I bet she has to. 
And he said, yeah, I can almost guarantee you that 30 or 40 years ago, her and her husband sat down with an insurance guy and offered uh, life insurance and he didn't make the sale. So an insurance guy didn't do it. So, so that question is, do you have debt? Are you going to leave your, your, your spouse with the debt? That's a great question because we love our, we love our, our husbands and wives, right? We love them. Why would we want to saddle them with something that is totally preventable? Yeah. Right. So it's a great question. And your, your story, Tom, I have told that it's such a great story and it is the encapsulation and somewhat of one of my favorite quotes by your father. If you believe your product or service can fulfill a true need, it's your moral obligation to sell it. And Terry Johnson, he's a great example of that. He is a product of having a death without life insurance that was devastating to the family. That's why he went into it. He's the kind of guy I want selling me a uh, product that he stands behind and has such a fervent, you know, moral reason for doing what he does. So I really appreciate that. Uh, Brian Lynchard, and if I remember from past shows, Brian is in like the machinist welding type arena. And so his question is who else is bidding on this, which is kind of an upfront you know, question that some people may not want to divulge. And when you're in the service industry like that, if you're in the contracting business, you know, people are checking it out. So it's a relevant, they may not always answer with that, but it's a relevant and honest one to know who you are up against. Cause you may know, man, I am not going to be able to beat XYZ's price. They're going to come in lower or man, I'm not going to be able to do what XYZ does. Now, I did want to pull out there, though, the tendency, if he was to get a response of three competitors who are bidding on this, is to do what? To badmouth them. Tell how bad, how, you know. And man, I'll tell you, from my standpoint, if you're in the service industry, if you're a contractor, the minute you start uh, badmouthing a competitor, I'm gone. You just lost, you just lost me. It's just a principle aspect of it. However, you can tell me, so don't tell me how they're bad and maybe not even how you're exactly better. Tell me how you're different. Tell me how you're different. And if you praise somebody else and say, man, they are really good X, Y, Z. Um, they don't do as much of, you know, ABC and I do. So, you know, there's the difference. There's some differentiating factor. See, man, they're really good at building stuff. They don't seem to show up a whole lot, but they're really good at building. You, know, you can play with it, but it's honest uh, to do that. So who else is bidding on this that tells him what he's up against? And if he may find out that they are actually looking for something that he doesn't do, or they're looking at a competitor that he knows does not do what they say that they want, and he can ethically lead them. Yeah, that's it's always good if they will divulge what they're looking for. I also like the idea of, you know, kind of an upfront agreement of, hey, you know, I'm very interested in serving your needs. Uh, we work with higher end clients who need a higher level of service and really want things to go smoothly. And because of that, they look at the relationship in whole and we're just not a fit for everybody. So I, I just need to know. Um, what your expectations are to make sure that we can be a fit for you. And, and if we are, then we would go to the next step. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Right. And so what, what we're really doing is we're giving ourselves a chance to 
to be positive or at least neutral in any of our competitors because we really don't want to talk about them. We just we just want to say, oh yeah, they're you know they're they do a great you know I know they've they've done a, they've been around a while they do a great job, but we're a little bit different, and let's focus on who we are and what we serve because I'll tell you this. Uh, as soon as somebody says, yeah, I'm checking out so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And gosh, there seems to be a lot of price difference in this market. And so I want to know right away if price is their biggest concern, because I will encourage them that we're not the right fit. Hmm. And I do that for two reasons. <laughs> we're on the upper end of the scale, first off. And number two, Price shoppers are your most difficult customers. <laughs> I've had price shoppers. I don't want price shoppers. Yeah. And that's, that's a decision. Uh, plus, I know there's no way we can compete with Amazon or, or, uh, or Walmart or any of the big houses. Yeah. So. And I've talked before, you know, on that, on that, on this note of my mechanic that I use a lot with all the cars we have in the family. Uh, he has my trust. And one of the main reasons is half the time he's talking me out of having the work done. I say, man, you know, it's just that, that, that thing's wrong not, not working right, but you can go for years with that. Not a big deal. Or, uh, you know, I could do that for you, but you can get it taken out care of over here for so much cheaper. Or you can just do it yourself or, or whatnot. We just talked the other day about, uh, shocks because I was thinking about trying to show my, my, some of my kids, how shocks work and let's just, let's do them together. And he says, well, you know, I think you should be able, I think you can do it. He said, I think you can probably do it even if you're not super skilled. And if you can't then drive it over here and I'll fix your mistake. Fair enough. Uh, but he has my trust back to where we started. The, you know, just a, a side comment. I, I got this from Seth Godin a couple of months ago in one of his newsletters uh, or his daily blog post. I think he's up to like, a million days in a row. <laughs> He's like, that's an unreal, <laughs> unbelievably consistent. And, and he made a real simple statement. He said, you know, there's, there's three things in a buying sequence. Uh, there's uh, the way you feel about it, the facts and the story you tell yourself. Okay. And in sales, we tend to really jump into giving people the facts. Hey, these are all the facts, the features, the functions of why you should consider doing business with us. But the reality is, is the way people make decisions, it starts with feeling and then the story they tell themselves. And so like when you go and buy a car, what do they do at the car lot? The first thing they do is they, they, they try to hone in. What are you looking for? They walk you out on a lot. Okay, this is the, you know, these are the four-door sedans. What kind of features are you? Okay, great. Would you like a test drive? So why are they doing a test drive? Because they know that you're feeling walking onto a car lot, especially if they don't have a pre-existing relationship with you, is you're nervous, you're wondering if you're going to be taken advantage of. Can I trust these guys? How much is it going to cost? Are they going to pressure me to buy something today? I mean, these are the these are the true feelings. And the story they're telling themselves is based on their personal experience and all the experiences of the people that they know and what they've watched and seen on TV and media and everything else. So they're on high alert, right? That's the story they're telling themselves. And so why the test drive? 
the test drive is simply to change the feeling. And so they get in the car and they're driving down the road and the salesperson says, so what do you think? How does this ride compared to what you have? Oh, this is great. You know, this is new. I love the new car smell. Great. You know, what about, you know, let's turn on the radio. How does that sound? You know, look at that. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. You've got a computer screen there. Wow. That's pretty cool. And then they will ask a simple question. Can you see yourself driving this to work? So what are they doing? They're taking the, the new, the feeling of, wow, this is really nice and it's smooth and feel that power. And it's got all this stuff. And, and then they start changing the story. Can you see yourself driving this car to work or whatever they do? Mm-hmm. So now in their head, they're picturing a story of them in their car doing what they want. Maybe this was their dream car. Maybe, Maybe it's just a necessity that they've got to get around, but they're changing the story from I'm scared of this, you know, these places are dangerous and I got to have my guard up because that's what I've been taught to, wow, I really like being in this car. Well, now the facts can be added into that, right? Now the facts can be talked about as far as, you know, what does it take to get this car? What's the investment look like? Well, how many options are there? Blah, 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 blah. I say all that to say a lot of the great questions in opening up a conversation in sales to see if somebody's a fit, what you're really doing is trying to discover how they feel about going forward right? What's, what's, what's their feelings about, you know, are they scared because they're on a used car lot (laughs) or are they uh, just unknowledgeable because they've never, you know, tried to do that type of business? Are they worried about the money? And then you're trying to discover the stories they tell themselves. Right. And once you, once you try to reframe it. So, so one of the, like in our, when somebody calls us and they, they are looking for a coach and we, we teach our coaches this question. We'll say things like um, what's happening in your life right now that prompted you to, to reach out. What are the main changes you want to make? And here's a great one. How long have you felt this way? Cause a lot of times people will say years. Hmm. Well, what's that costing you? Wow. Okay, so what people don't understand is when there's a need, there's there's a huge cost to doing nothing, right? The biggest the, the biggest competition of anybody in sales is not a competitive salesperson. It's doing nothing. They don't do anything. <laughs> you're still you're still in my next comment here. That, that, Sorry. No, that's it. Literally. No, that's, that's David Treese. He says his question is what's wrong with continuing you continuing to do what you're doing now. And I was actually going to throw it at you because you've talked about that so much that especially with coaching, you know, which is a non usually a non urgent thing. Now you may go to counseling in a crisis, but you don't, you know, you don't have a crisis generally and come to a coach with expecting super quick results. And so you're the one that talked about that. I don't know how long ago it was Tom, but yeah, that the average or that the biggest, what challenge hurdle to get over is the ability for them to just do 
nothing. And so for you to say, what is the cost? There is a huge cost generally of doing nothing. You got to help them look at where are they going to be? And it's funny. Yeah. You're even your uh, car analogy, you know, can you see yourself driving this to work? I, I just laughed a little bit because I have a friend, Tom, who's been uh, gearing up to buy a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though he's, he's, I love it. Now he's thought he's thinking about maybe one of the new, new Corvettes or something like that. And I mean, he can see himself in it. So when they ask him that question, put him behind the wheel, he's going to go, oh, yeah. And I was thinking about myself, Kevin, can you see yourself driving this Lamborghini to work? No, not at all. Absolutely. I can't even fathom it. I, I would destroy it just driving it to my house for one. Uh, but it's, it is, it's such an interesting, uh, aspect to look at and to get the person's honest emotion. But so back to David's thing, his question, what's wrong with continuing to do what you are, uh, doing now is great because it gets them at that. I, I do love that perspective from a personal development standpoint. As you said, we are most prone to respond to pain as opposed to the desire. And that is so true. And yet in personal development, we're generally trying to incentivize, entice, compel the person with the positive like that. Can you see yourself out here, you know, uh, driving this new car, let's say. And a great question would be, do you feel safe driving your family around in that clunker you got there, Kevin? Uh, no. What's the cost if you take off cross country and that old van of yours at this point and get stuck somewhere? Yeah. That's more compelling to me than trying to entice me with the leather smell of the new van in my case, uh, maybe, but again, that's a, that's such a, that's a title of such an important topic, the huge cost of doing nothing. So, so yeah, such a great paradigm shift to bring people, Tom. Yep. And the, the sequence of questions here, uh, I'll just kind of play it through. What are the changes you want to make? So then they, they tell you, so let's just say I want to change A, B, and C. Oh my gosh. I can see why you want to make a change. How long have you felt that way about A, B, and C? And so what we're really doing is we're anchoring all the, all the needs, all the reasons, and they're using their own words. Oh, wow, that's, that sounds pretty heavy to carry. What's that costing you? What's that, what's that preventing you from having in your life? Oh, so you want more peace of mind. You want to have better relationships. You want to know that, you know, month by month, everything's getting stronger. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the next question. <laughs> Let's imagine that anything's possible in A, B, and C. Like just imagine that a year from now, <laughs> those, those things are, man, they're just humming. They're, they're going and growing and you know, you're, you're loving it. What would you love about that? Let them talk. Cause what we're trying to do is create a big gap between, you know, this, this, if there's not much difference between the pain of what's now and the vision of what they want, if there's not much difference between those two, there's not a compelling reason to say, yeah, I want to do that now. Right. If it's almost the same thing, why make it, why change now? Yeah. Right. That's why they say with people who are in addictive behaviors, Hey, they're not going to do anything until they hit rock bottom. Yeah. 
right? That's that's what they're really saying. Until it's so bad that there's nothing else they can do. Okay, so but most people are, you know, that we're not at that state. We, we're what's it what's it costing us? And so you get them to picture to change the story. Okay, close your eyes. We're going to imagine a year from now. A, B, and C are resolved. Those are actually the strengths of your life. What would you love about your life? <laughs> and then they tell you. And then you say, well, how does it feel to be living that life? And then you ask them, well, what would your family think about you living that life? The people who love and care about you the most, what would they say about you living that life? And then... Golly, I can see where you are and where you want to go. Uh, would you like some help? I'd love to help you get there. I mean, you know, it's just, but what we're doing is we're, we're trying to tap into their feeling yeah. about what it could be. And then we create a, uh, a new story of what life is like in that position. And then we say, hey, you, you know what? So in insurance, Gosh, you know, what prompted you to call? Oh, you know, we just, a cousin uh, died from COVID and they got three little kids. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> how many calls have been made that way this in the last year? It's crazy. I mean, yeah. so for those of you in insurance, oh my gosh, you are in a life-changing business. Man, what you do is unbelievable. You should look in the mirror and, and go, <laughs> there's families depending on me today. You got to show up with everything, yeah. right? And then you sell with integrity. You sell what people need, and you find the best solution for where they are. That's that's what integrity is all about. But when you look at the comparison of of what happens if nothing happens, it's tragic. Well, and you just showcased what we started off with the clip from your dad talking about not convincing but persuading by asking the right stories and in essence, getting the person to persuade themselves. And you talking about story, Tom, that it's, it's not even you as a salesperson trying to tell them and depict the story. You're asking the right questions to get them envisioning the story, get them writing the story because we just so often don't, uh, we don't envision it. And by the way, if anybody gets me behind a Porsche Cayenne, I'm probably done. That is, <laughs> I, I am, I am starting to hunger a little bit for something different. So that's the one I'm looking at. We'll see. That'd be a good mountain car to take up your, your uh, driveway. It is. Can, it, it's, it's, uh, there's a decent amount of them out here. And I just, it's, it doesn't, uh, you know, if somebody asks why I, ever since I was, even though I'm not a car guy today, I grew up thinking I was with a dad who was a car guy. And for some reason, out of all the cool cars that we were involved with and the car industry, whatever Porsche is what stood out. It was, it was my first car I bought. He helped me buy one at 15, an old Porsche 924, which is barely even a Porsche. Uh, but I, I worked that thing. I put blood, sweat and tears, fixed it up and sold it. I didn't even drive it that much, but sold it. But uh, if I was in a, in, in a place, the, the, an old Porsche 911 is one of my ultimate cars, but it's just, it's irrelevant up here. I mean, I, I live up in the mountains, so I couldn't do it. But Porsche Cayenne, I can, you know, all wheel drive. I can get around in that. And I sure wouldn't mind uh, 500 horsepower. So <laughs> I, I think my car, my trucks right now are both eking around on about five. Sometimes I get <laughs> irritated, but they haul trash well. And, uh, and my family. All right, Cindy, 
she said her question, are you ready to do what it takes to make the changes or find out what you really want? Okay. I know Cindy, she's a coach. So I came back and said, okay, what kind of change are you talking about, Cindy? She said, personal growth, habit changes, creating goals, whatever we find that works for them to help them heal or become who they choose to be. Okay. Um, and Cindy's great, but I'm going to, I am going to push back again, just like we did with the last uh, person in the coaching realm that it's pretty big in general. And we find people who are so good at guiding others in areas of life and in asking, like you talked about Tom, asking the questions and getting them to tell the stories. And they are good in a, we'll call it a life coach capacity. I'm still gonna, I, I always come back to this though. I find it's very difficult these days in my experience to sell yourself as a life coach and to say, Hey, I can help in any area like that. As opposed to, she used a, uh, she used a word that's kind of a telltale word for me, help them heal. Okay. So if I put myself in the coaching category, I will never use that word. That's not my, that's not my perspective. That's not the way that I, I come at that. I'm going to be more in a, you know, going forward. What are your goals? Let's, let's deal with that. Healing is more of a looking back at what's happened to you and understanding that. And there's a certain, you know, a personal direction there that, oh my gosh, I, I completely honor, but I, that's not my forte. So for her to use that, man, I would lead with that. I'd be prone to lead with healing. So maybe she deals with, with trauma or grief. Those are some specific areas of, you know, USP of a brand um, that I would go as opposed to saying, Hey, you know, like kind of what she listed out, personal growth, habit changes, creating goals, whatever we find that works for them. Uh, it's going to be hard one to get your foot in the door. I think people have less trust going back to that and thinking that any person can help in all areas. Think about a doctor. Imagine a doctor. It's always my favorite analogy to go to who says, Hey, whatever's wrong with you, I can help. You got a foot problem. I got you. Your eyes, eyes bothering you, you know, not working well. I got you. Cancer. I got you. Heart surgery. Yeah. I've, I've studied that some too. Uh, No, thanks, man. I'm going to go over to the best heart surgeon, the best, uh, ophthalmologist, the best orthopedic, the best what's foot, uh, podiatrist. I'm going to go to there. I mean, we're in an age of specialization. I feel like as a coach, you are best to go that direction, at least from your brand. And even if that's the door to get people into you and then allow, you Now, I do think for most any coach, you're going to do well. You have to have some ability in life coaching. You know that better than I do, Tom. Uh, but I don't think that that's a very, uh, it's not a good front door. There's a, there's an overlap there, uh, that I'll speak into. And that's this, that, you know, let's look at, we just had the Ryder cup on golf and I'm a huge golf fan and Ryder cup fan. It's probably my favorite event to watch. So you, you've got two teams, Europe and the United States, 24 players, the top golfers in the world. Physically, they are at a level that, you know, few ever, ever get to. They're just amazing athletes. They can all do every shot. They can, and yet there's always the best guy in the world who's playing the best, who just dominates. And so the question is, what separates the top 24 from the rest of the world? I'll tell you, it's right between their ears. Mm. 
it's their mindset. And so if, if, if I'm a, a life coach, if I'm working with somebody and usually the biggest issues are belief, self-image and mindset. And so if you are an outstanding coach in those areas, because these top athletes, guess what? They got more than one coach. They got a swing coach and they got a mindset coach. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just where it is. And so you, it's very difficult to, to, to be the doctor that treats every illness, but you've also got to understand that what keeps people from performing in every area of their life, it usually boils down to mindset, belief, and self-image. And if, and if you're a life coach and that's your expertise and strength, then you can probably work with just about anybody and take them to a certain point. And then your greatest role is introducing them to the best golf swing coach in the business. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Right. And you, and you, you team up with them and you talk with them. That's why, I mean, this is, this is just kind of a pet thing. I've always thought for uh, overall health, there should be a certification for a certified physical therapist who also prescribes specific uh, weight and stretching and cardiovascular movements based on the specific physical health needs, based on that person's profile, past injuries, uh, weak spots, whatever, and a nutritionist who, who comes alongside and does all that, and then they need a mental coach. All in one package. Why? Because the reason that people quit is the mental. And the reason that people quit is because they get committed and they're doing the wrong exercises for the injuries they've had. Yeah. And the reason they don't get results is they're not eating right. And they don't have somebody who really understands that everybody's a little different in how they metabolize stuff. And so you need that whole package. And so when you, when you find a, a trainer who understands your physical health conditions understands enough about nutrition to get you a nutritionist and, and can, can walk beside you in that. And who understands mentally how to, how to motivate and find out what your big goals and dreams are. So that the reason you're working out isn't to get a little thinner or a little fitter. The reason you're working out is for this, this big thing that uh, Dr. James talks about, which is being weller. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 and creating a life that, that makes a difference in this world and having purpose. Yeah. That's why we do all that stuff. So people look at it on the surface and they think, oh, you know, I can do it all. And, and you know, no matter what the deal is, I can do it. Um, they, they're, everything's interconnected. But a true mental mindset, belief, self-image coach who understands their limitations Hey, I'm not a swing coach. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a physical therapist, but boy, I, I'll find one and we'll partner and that'll just take it to the next level. That's what the best in the world go after. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, I'm sitting up here in uh, Woodland Park, Colorado, and I'm probably less than 20 miles from the Olympic Training Center, the OTC, uh, Olympic Training Center. There's two athletic compounds in america one's here one's in san diego um but this is the main one and you know so we just had the olympics golf was in there i think it might have been the first time 
And so I guarantee the golfers, they were down here staying, mostly a lot of them at least, living at the Olympic Training Center, training down there. And I have a buddy, I should ask him, uh, he works with a lot of Olympic athletes. He does cognitive therapy. Talk about mindset. He's literally ma- doing mapping of their brains, looking at anomalies and helping them streamline their cognitive abilities. I mean, we're talking finite, fine tuning uh, of, of their minds. Imagine if one of those golfers said, yeah, but can you help me with my swing as well? I don't think he even plays golf. That's not the point. He is very specialized, you know, to what you're saying, Tom, in what he does. And I think, yeah, as well, we are, we are well to do that. You know, looking at business coaching, which I've done a lot of, man, if you have a product that's doing, you know, doing okay, or that you've been doing for a long time and you're just looking at how to grow it, how to, you know, deal with the finances of your business and business projections and how to grow that specific product. I'm, I'm not really that I'm more of a starter. If you want to start something, I'm good. Now, if you want to start a new thing in your business, a new venture, a new product, new service, new direction or something, I'm a, I'm good at starting. But if it's just growing what's there existing, generally not my cup of tea. So again, back there, I, w- I would be more prone to, hey, why don't you talk to my buddy, Tom? He's that's you're in, you're in his wheelhouse uh, at this point. So again, to the coaches, I think. We are best off to, in a sense, stay in our lanes and be exceptional in those lanes. Um, you know, we had a couple, just a couple here. Uh, MJ James, she says, uh, can't, she's a ghostwriter. Can people, and her question is, can people easily tell your brand from your pub, public profiles? I really like that one because I get approached every week by X amount of authors or their agencies. And so often, so they tell me what the book is, but I'm going to go check them out. If I'm interested, I'm going to go check them out and I'm going to check out their social media. I actually have them give me that in an intake form. And it's amazing how so often I can go there and you can't figure out by their social media what they're really about. Sometimes even their website is hard to figure out, okay, what's what's unique about them? I get it that they had success over here especially with business. That's a very common, I'll put that one out there for people to know who are trying to get on the show, you know, that I'll I'll get that. Oh, they knocked it out of the park and made millions of dollars in their business. Okay. That's, that's awesome. There's a zillion people who have done that. What is, what is your unique thing though? What are you about? So back to MJ's here, what is their personal brand? And it's, it's amazing how often, uh, people don't have, don't have that down. Um, here, here's another one. Ruben says, do you save money uh, for if and when your vehicle breaks down or are you saving for a different purpose? Ruben works in the car industry. He's a car dealer. Um, you know, each industry that we look at, there should be some telltale questions for filtering. That's the point of the show, filtering whether or not the person is the right fit for your product and for your service. And Tom, this is really where we started back. You said something to this aspect of we're there to care for them. We're there to serve them. And if we can do that by helping them know right off the, right off the bat that we are not the, fir- the, the best person for the, them, that is a way of serving them. And yet in sales, we're so prone to do the opposite. We want that funnel really big and to bring in everybody that we can. And man, I've had people do that. And the minute that I feel like my time's being wasted, that's a very, very difficult hurdle for them to come over when I wish they would have just asked 
the question outright to figure out if I am the right candidate before they started convincing me. Um, such a powerful topic, Tom, as you know, and asking the right questions. You did a great job of just describing the series of questions. That'd be a really neat one to do. Speaking of that is for you just to share sometime. Maybe we should do that. Just a, a coaching focus again and share some of the questions that you guys filter people through be a great service, especially to coaches. Yep. Absolutely. We'll have to get Angie Krellen on here and okay. have her do it. She's, she's unbelievable. Okay. Let's do it. Well, I appreciate all the questions or the comments. Great uh, comments. And this as always, man, I I'm sitting here making notes and thinking about a few of the things that I'm doing going, ah, man, I'm not doing that that well. So uh, I love getting able getting, uh, being able to learn while we do the shows. Tom, thanks for the wisdom and the insight, brother. All right. Be blessed. Well, just great counsel, again, on persuading versus convincing. Uh, just being aware, again, of our propensity to try and convince people is powerful, along with us covering the value of filtering people to see if they are, in fact, good candidates for whatever we are selling. Well, coming up in episode 931, have you ever heard of a restaurant called Chipotle? Long ago, they had eight stores. Today, 2,788. Well, the co-CEO that helped bring them to where they are today is Monty Moran, who I mentioned in this show as he and I just had a marathon breakfast together up in Colorado. Well, if you ask him how he built the business to be the massive success it is, he'll tell you it was from meeting with thousands of employees, literally face-to-face, to find out what they cared about. And it's just a profound message for all of us in business to hear. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 